Nashville hot chicken, bold pork sandwiches, award-winning Vietnamese wings, and the entertainment capital of the world. And Tua throwing the other way to a wide-open Durham spike for the touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Diagnosis. Shotgun. Murray. Prognosis. Out of the pocket. Seven seconds. Offness. Six seconds. Murray. The Miraculous! T.C. Martin. It's Murray Magic! The Doctor now in. And a very good Friday to you. T.C. Martin live at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Of course, our Friday home each and every Friday. And we are jam-packed because we are... Celebrating New Year's, ringing in 2022, the final day of 2021 here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Jam-packed crowd, and uh, it's great here. <laughs> it's great because not only is it New Year's Eve, but we are smack dab in the middle of the college football playoff, the national semifinals, game one of two today. Still seems a little bit weird that on a Friday afternoon, We've got the number one team in the nation, Alabama, taking on the number four team, uh, Cincinnati, in the college football playoff. But that's what is happening right now. And we are nearing the end of the first half, and Alabama leading 10-3 to right now. Georgia and Michigan, they will get it on approximately 4.40 p.m. So game one of the semifinals taking place now. And again, we are live and in color. That's right. Very live, festive day today, as it always is on a Friday, but especially today here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, celebrating uh, goodbye to 2021 and hello to 2022. Today on the show, Mike Pritchard is going to join us, the former wide receiver. And uh, Mike does a great job with uh, Raider Nation Radio, also on VEASAN. Uh, longtime friend, longtime friend of the program and colleague. So he uh, joins us every few weeks here. So he will be joining us here today. Coming up next hour, he will participate in our Best Bet segment next hour. Scott Spritzer will join us this hour. Scott, of course, our resident handicapper, Doc Sports. And we will start previewing game two of the college football playoff tonight between Michigan and Georgia. And, of course, we will start breaking down each and every bowl game for tomorrow. There are five of them on tap. And then, of course, you know, we have a great, busy NFL weekend on tap. Remember, uh, no Saturday games tomorrow. Saturday is owned by college football and the bowl games. Uh, New Year's Day, so the NFL has all 16 games on uh, Sunday. I should say 15 on Sunday, one on Monday night football, of course. So uh, no buys, no games uh, tomorrow. So we got plenty of NFL to talk about uh, as well. All right, Double B Brian Benowitz will join us next hour. He currently is down the street at T-Mobile Arena where the Vegas Golden Knights are taking it to the Ducks of Anaheim right now. The last uh, score I saw was 3-0, and they just started the third period, so Double B will join us next hour here. But you know who's here? A guy who's always here each and every week is the G-Man. Gilby the intern, as I like to call him. And uh, he's got the headsets on today. G-Man, what's happening? It is great to have the headsets on, my friend. And I'm telling you, you are so correct. This has always been one of the 
biggest weekends of the year as far as being a sports fan and especially being here in Las Vegas also where hopefully we're going to get 300,000 people down on the strip this evening. They're going to see one of the best fireworks shows in the country at midnight. The casinos like the Cosmo is just run, it just hopping here. The chandelier bar is already packed. The sports book is getting fuller and fuller and fuller as that parking garage fills up with more people <laughs> trying to get in off of I-15. Um, I always loved this weekend because it's the culmination of football for the for the year with all the college bowl games, which you just hinted to something that really irks me, and I'd really like to get your opinion on it, is shouldn't these two college football playoff games be played on January 1st? They should. because Remember, okay, these are bowl games as well, too. Yes. So this is the Cotton Bowl that we're seeing now with Alabama and Cincinnati, and then the Orange Bowl is tonight's game between Georgia and Michigan. The way, since they went to the college football playoff with four teams, they have always done this. But it's usually either a little later starting time or it's been like a Saturday game and then you've had the other bowl games uh, would be like on Monday or something like that, depending on how the calendar works. This is a little bit quirky because you do have New Year's Day on a Saturday. So you want to have all of your traditional bowl games, and the NFL has stepped aside because, as we know, the last few weeks of the NFL season every year, they occupy at least two or three games on Saturday as well as Sunday and, of course, Monday Night Football. So I I think it's a little quirky this year, and that's why we were joking all week long, and then even Scott Spritzer said it when he was on with us yesterday. He goes, because, yeah, I, I, I keep forgetting that yesterday was Thursday, and then here we are at the Cosmopolitan right. as well, too, uh, you know, because of the kind of quirky schedule. And we had the Las Vegas poll last night, so that's why we were here uh, at the Cosmopolitan yesterday. But we're here today because it is a Friday, but it, it just seems strange that we're talking about the two biggest college football games for the entire year is on a Friday afternoon, where a lot of people are not watching this right now because they work, they're in transition, it is New Year's Eve, so it just, it seems strange. But to your point, yes, I, if I'm doing this, I'm scheduling this, these two games are on New Year's Day, it's on the docket. And I don't see how that would interfere with the other games, because traditionally we've had the Cotton Bowl, the Orange Bowl on New Year's Day, the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day, and there's still room for that. Now, if you need to take maybe one of these other subsidiary bowls, like the Outback Bowl or the Florida Citrus Bowl, maybe you move that Correct. to Monday yes, or Tuesday. Now, we see that we have or the... Or throw te- it on today, on, on, or today. On, on New Year's Eve day. Yeah, yeah, today, exactly. So that would make the most sense. Yes. If you would take maybe the two Florida Bowls, the Outback Bowl and the Citrus Bowl, which... Traditionally, you have those in the early morning time slot. 10 a.m. slot. Yeah, Yeah. right. So 8 o'clock, I think, sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Correct. So you could do that. Or, you know, I know they want every bowl game, especially the the New Year's Day sixes, Mm -hmm. to have a standalone time. So you don't, you know, want them competing against each other, even though we do have, like, you know, one at 9, one at 10. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get a little bit of that because we get that on New Year's Day. But there could have been a better way. So where people are not missing this game or maybe even missing the later game. Even right. though it's a it's going to be like a 4.40 p.m. start on the West Coast, 7.30, 7.40 tonight on the East, East Coast, Coast, most people will be able to enjoy that. In the Midwest, 6.30, 6.40, mm-hmm. they'll be able to enjoy it. 
But it just seems when you have the two biggest games with really the only two games that have uh, real true meaning for national, cha- yeah, yeah, for national championship aspirations, you think that you would do a little bit better planning. So I, I'm in total agreement with you on that. Yeah, I just think, especially on New Year's Eve, if anybody's going out or having mm-hmm. a party at their house like I normally do, it's just tough to really yeah. capture and watch the games, especially, like, we understand why. It's all TV, and they they and they and want the games to have their own time slot. But I miss the days when I grew up in the 70s and the 80s. You're, you know, you're my age, and I remember waking up, you had to choose between the Cotton Bowl and the Outback Bowl. Yes. You always watched the granddaddy of them all. That they, that always seemed to have its own time slot. Two o'clock in the afternoon, Keith Jackson's coming on the air. At night, you had to, you had to pick between the Sugar Bowl Correct. or the Orange Bowl. Both at 5 o'clock you know, on the West Coast. On the and, West yeah, Coast, right. you know, and the Orange Bowl always had uh, the big, huge halftime show that, that, you, that was always the best before the Super Bowl got on it. And I just missed where you had to bring a TV in from your bedroom, probably the 13-inch or the 20-inch, to go to your regular with television the rabbit ears. with the rabbit ears, and you <laughs> could watch both of them at the same time, or you had to choose. Yeah. So I understand why, but I think they they lose a little bit of their luster and their importance throwing it on an afternoon game, which, like you said, everybody's running around shopping, getting ready for the party, or they're working, yeah. and... I just never liked it. It happened about four or five years ago when I noticed they're putting these on New Year's Eve night, and yeah. it just it loses a little bit of luster for me no, on it, this. It, it definitely does. And it's okay if New Year's Eve happens to be on a Saturday. Correct. Then it's okay. And, you know, Sunday's never going to happen because the NFL's right. that's their that's their board on Sunday. Right. You're not going to mess with that. But, again, you know, when you have a college football Saturday, and that's what we're used to from the end of August and – you know, basically until the end of November, beginning of December, this this should be their time. Tomorrow should be their day. And even though you have five bowl games, you have five pretty good bowl games, but what we've been talking about here the last couple days is a lot of these bowl games are losing their luster because of the opt-outs. And so you, Which totally bugs the crap right, out of me. Right, I mean, so you've got that factor, and you don't have the great matchups. Yep. And again, you know, two of the bowl games are part of your semifinals now. So tomorrow should be the best college football day of the year, not only with the marquee bowl games, but also with these two games Absolutely. that are being played today. Yeah. And it could it could work. And who would really mind if you had seven bowl games on New Year's Day? I think they almost used to. It used to right? be at least six or seven, right. and you had to right. choose. Yeah. Um, because I kind of, like the last, I mean, last year was an anomaly, obviously, with COVID. And I couldn't believe they still got off all their, most of the bowl games last year. And right. thinking about last year versus this year to where, you know, there are fans in the stands and and everybody's so excited and actually can actually see the games live. I just think that you just have to be able to hone in on these two games to make like six or seven of them even, I don't think it'd be too much. You know, because 
this is the one day that growing up as a kid, you always said college football. This is because you never saw. I never saw Texas play when I was a kid. The only time I got to see him play was in the Cotton Bowl normally. You never got to see these teams play because ESPN didn't start until 1983. So, I mean, you didn't have any avenue to be able to see all these teams across the nation. USC, you got to see them twice, once on, against Notre Dame and then in the Rose Bowl usually against a Big Ten team. Right. Wisconsin was never there when I grew up, but, you know, <laughs> I have been able to see a couple of those. So, And we're talking about having maybe seven bowl games on the greatest day, uh, New Year's Day, for college football, when on any other given Saturday – We've got about probably, what, 20 television yes. games on yes. a regular Saturday in September, October, and November, right? Sometimes I get, <laughs> I get impatient. It's like, oh, this is the only game on. This, uh, no, I don't have any other game yeah. to turn to because I hate commercials, but they pay a lot of money for those commercials. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, I, that invitation seemed to not find my mailbox for your party that you're talking about but you well, know you're having the party I, my invitation it didn't I, it didn't I happen I, i'll be honest it didn't happen until 10 15 p.m last <laughs> night when when you told me that uh, you were probably going to be able to uh, do a bucket list thing on uh saturday and i decided that well if i get to go too then i'll just uh get up at 6 a.m and drive and have some friends over so there you go yeah all right uh rose bowl tomorrow yes uh, Going to get a chance to go to the Rose Bowl tomorrow, Utah and Ohio State, uh, courtesy of you, my friend. So, uh, my pleasure. Th- thank, thank you very much uh, for that. You know, bucket list, bucket list, it, bucket my list, friend. exactly. And uh, not too many uh, interns uh, have the connections that you have. So th- this is great. I mean, people usually hit me up for right. for tickets like this. So for for you to to uh, to offer that up, I, I appreciate that, and uh, yeah, we're gonna enjoy the Rose Bowl uh, tomorrow. I'm one of your oldest up. interns you've ever had, but probably <laughs> probably the most interesting one that you're gonna get. There's I no, hope. There's no question. Yeah, we, <laughs> I mean, b- between between uh, the Gilby the intern and then Nunchuck back in the studio, yes, we we have the. Uh, I don't want to say the oldest, but we have the most veteran-laden team. I like it. There we go. I like it. We got experience. Can I throw uh, a no shout out to? Uh, <laughs> can I throw a, a shout out to Numchuck? Absolutely. I just got to congratulate him on how he's kicking our butt in the Opportunity Village. Pick every. Uh, NFL team with the point spread. Yep. He's got 108 wins. You were hanging up the right with him for almost the whole season. And now what are you talking about? He was yeah. trying to catch me, and about five, six weeks ago, he was saying, he's saying, no, I'm not going to catch you. I'm not going to catch you. I go, dude, anybody can get anybody on any given week, he had, and uh, he's he stayed the course. So he, he's, he's, he's he had a 12-3 and three week. He's, he's near the top. And three. He's, 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 the top. he's tied for second. Yeah. And you and I are tied for fourth, I want to say, at least at 103. So he's picking at 50 58% and we're picking at 57% so far yeah. which I hear that's supposed to be like you're supposed to make money in this town if you're <laughs> able to do that and it's been well, a- especially when you have to pick every game too I mean, that's, that's the thing. That's the thing. It's tough. So I used uh, to love the, I'm sorry, uh, the Palace Station Pick the Pros contest. Yes. Sorry to say somebody else's um, a, a casino on this. but um, And that was just tough enough just picking winners, right? let alone with the point spread. So it's been a real eye-opening experience for me this year to say, oh, no, uh, although you may like the team, but are they going to cover the point spread? And, mm-hmm. and you've made me do that for every game this year, and I haven't. It's been years since I've actually looked at it like that for every single game instead of just picking the winner. Right. 
It's yeah. It's congratulations, it's Chuck. Keep it going. You got two weeks to go, my friend. There you go. <laughs> there you go. You're, you're gonna jinx him now. You know that, I don't don't you? Hey, it's, hey. I think I think he needed to be known that uh, he might be the guru of the group. That's we don't it. know. Huh? It, it's true. <laughs> And I appreciate you guys being involved in the Opportunity Village contest, along with uh, you know many of our listeners as well. Too, it's uh, you know one of a one of our favorite charities I've been involved with yes. you know, for the last few years, and it's uh, it's fantastic. Uh, so any way we can support Opportunity Village and uh, bring more awareness and attention to that fantastic yeah. organization, uh, they Absolutely. do they do a fantastic job. So yes, uh, picks for OV. Go check it out on their website. And again, yeah, two weeks left to go with that for some fantastic prizes as well. And of course, the magical forest is still happening uh, over at Opportunity Village. If you've never experienced that, that is a beautiful must, must attend, uh, you know, uh, 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 place to go during, during the my, holiday time. A very good friend of mine used to uh, volunteer every year for that. He did it for 11 years until he moved out of the state. Yeah. But that, that was his one thing that he loved to do, and and he was there for basically two months, about setting up ahead of time and then being there right. every night. So if you've never been, please get there. Yep, it's fantastic. All right, uh, Alabama taking care of business uh, with Cincinnati right now. We talked about this game a lot yesterday. Could Cincinnati hang with this and with this Alabama team? And this is basically unfolding the way we've talked about for the past couple of weeks. You know, Alabama, 13.5-point favorite, and the Cincinnati Bearcats, you know, get in as that number four slot. It really doesn't seem who it's been for the majority of the time uh, since uh, – college football playoff went to four teams the team that gets that four slot usually gets drilled correct you know yep. whether it's uh you know it, it's been oklahoma in the past or a washington or somebody of that nature and cincinnati gets in there and a lot of people were banging the drum for them hey they're undefeated but beware i mean when you are in a conference like the american <laughs> where basically you have houston and really nobody else when you're playing tulsa and tulane and navy and, and not very well and not very well exactly um you know don't be fooled by by the o in that record and you know at 13 and 0 they come in here but uh, they're getting drilled right now they can't move the ball uh, and alabama's just showing their superiority in dominating this game uh against uh against Cincinnati. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when I looked at this, and it's great, and I love that uh, one of these teams, Cincinnati, got in there because everybody's been screaming for it ever since Boise State upset Oklahoma when they finally got the shot. You know, they were the first one to be outside of the big five conferences to, to really take it to a team and actually win a game. Your record is who you play, but then again, your record is who you play. And unfortunately, these conferences that like Cincinnati is in and the MAC and uh, the Sun Belt and the Big West, uh, Mountain West, um, it's, it's, it's tough to play that caliber as I think you're going to probably see in the second half of this game is that Alabama, the SEC, Big Ten and the Big Five, you know, the Big Five conferences, they're just bigger, faster, stronger. And you're able to play with them for a half. But by the end of the third quarter, these 300-plus-pound uh, linemen, the speed on the outside, and although Alabama's missing their top two uh, wide receivers uh, again today, um, they're just bigger, faster, stronger. Yeah. And so when I look at the game, that's, that's, that's how I, I like to look at it. Cincinnati has 76 total yards at the half. 76 total yards, 17 rushing the football, 59 through the air. Meanwhile, Alabama has 302. <laughs> But this is what you get with this. And, Correct. And uh, it really does irritate me. I talk about this a lot during the course of, of the season. Just be careful what you wish for. And people look at that, well, yeah, we love the underdog. We want to see them get a shot. 
It was like Central Florida a couple years ago when, yeah. when they were undefeated. And But what happens? You get them in a big bowl game or against a, a Power 5 conference team, and then they, they get obliterated. But I think where Cincinnati kind of fooled some people last year, they played Georgia in the Peach Bowl. Played and well. Chick-fil-A, yes. and, and they played well, and you Actually, could make the argument that they could – they could have maybe won that game. But, yep. you know, Georgia was missing players. They had people that opted out at that point in time. Again, coming off that big emotional loss to Alabama in the SEC championship game. It was that same scenario where you got a handicap motivation for these games. And everything kind of broke right for Cincinnati. But still, fourth quarter came last year in that game. What happened? Georgia turned it up and yep. defeated Cincinnati. Because so, they got that next gear compared right, to what right. they have. Now, it's one thing. If Cincinnati is just blowing out everyone in the American Conference, I mean, if right. they're just obliterating them, okay? Yeah, kind of what we've se- kind of what we've seen Utah do over the last six or seven weeks, where they're just blasting everybody in the Pac-12. Yeah. Okay, that that team is on a little bit different level. Okay, they could compete better than what Cincinnati. There's a lot of other teams: Baylor, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, and those are the teams that I was, you know, chomping at the bit to see in that number four slot. Right. Not a Cincinnati, a team that struggled against Tulane, Navy, and Tulsa. So you knew what you were going to get here, especially against an Alabama team that they've been here before. And like you said, bigger, faster, stronger. But just being in these type of games, you knew what you were going to get. So I think, again, this is just, it's not good for college football. And for people to sit there and say, oh, yeah, let's let's give the underdog a shot, that, that's fine if, if you're with eight or 12 teams. Thank you. But not at four teams. No. They, honestly, could you tell me if Cincinnati played anybody else in that five, six, seven, eight range, would they be favored in any of those games? No. They would not be. If they're no. playing Oklahoma State or Notre Dame, if these teams that are at full one, strength. Maybe it might you know? have been one and a half or something yeah. like that for Oklahoma State. Yeah. But anybody else, not at all. Yeah. yeah. I think, again, so we'll see what happens here in the second half. But right now, this is pretty much going according to form. And, again, th- that is not good for college football. football. It's not good. If you want to, you know, get this thing right, you've got to go to eight teams Make it happen. You extend it one more week. That's all you're doing here. And then you can have a, a team like Cincinnati or whatever and, and get them in there as a number seven or eight seed if you want. But as as far as Cincinnati, one of the top four teams in the country, absolutely not. You know, Ohio State, they had their two hiccups. Mm-hmm. They lost to Oregon and they got, they got beat by Michigan. But if Ohio State played Cincinnati today, who would be favored in that game? Ohio State. Yeah. It, Probably it, it, double digits are really go. close. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's my point exactly. But at least if you have 8 to 12 teams, as, you, as you're getting to, is that at least they would have to play their way into a semifinal game. Correct. They would have to at least win one game. Right. And it's going to be somebody from a better conference than they're already in. Mm-hmm. And probably one of the toughest teams that they've, that they've right. played all year. Um Cincinnati this year did go into Notre Dame, so at least they got something on on their on their record. Yeah, and their that was their signature win. Their signature win, and so you kind of think that maybe they have it. They have a shot, and hey, we still got thirty minutes of game time and two hours of a football game yet to watch. Stop. And, you know, so <laughs> not happening. Not then, happening. And, and, and that's another thing about about these about these pro about these bowl games is that 
they're four and a half hours. Yeah. yeah I mean, they, they go forever. They With a little extended halftime, yeah, too. Yeah, extended halftime. So um, I'm interested to see. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see if Michigan can show up this afternoon. I mean, this is their first college football playoff game under Harbaugh. I mean, their first ever, I think, yep. uh, since BCS time. Or, Correct. Um, so I just don't know what we're going to get with Harbaugh. Um, is he ready to play in this big game? Is, is his team ready? Um, Georgia is going to, I think they're just going to unpack the dogs and just yeah. be after them. I'm, I'm, you're going to go strength against strength, defense against running offense. And we're going to see, and there's going to be a lot of skull knocking down, down in the trenches, and that's where this game is going to be won. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be uh, handicapping that uh, for you coming up here uh, in the next hour and a half of the show. Uh, you mentioned Ohio State, and then we're sitting here talking about the Rose Bowl. So as I'm coming into the Cosmopolitan yeah. today, I'm, I'm on the elevator, and uh, who am I in the elevator with? About a a a pack of Buckeye fans. Oh gosh! They all had Ohio State shirts on, and it was like a large family. Okay. And uh, so I just you know looking at the elevator, and you know I I like talking to people. Absolutely. You know, not, I'm not one You're of these guys that, that, that stare. You know, right. I hate the people in the elevator that just kind of stare and you know that tunnel un- vision. That uncomfortable that silence. Yeah. Yes. So I like breaking that silence. You sure. know, I'm, I like Larry David in that sense. You know. Yeah. So uh, I go. Oh, I said. Uh, I said, uh, Buckeyes. I said, I'm, I'm going to go see them play tomorrow. And they go, yeah, you are? And I said, yeah, de- definitely going to go see them. They go, uh, I, I, how they, they, they asked me, they go, do you, do you think we have a shot? Oh, and, 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 no, do you, no, they made a comment, something along the lines of like, yeah, we're, we're going to kick Utah's ass. I go, well, I wouldn't go so far as that. I said, uh, I'm not so sure that that your team is going to be ready to play tomorrow because they have several opt-outs and it's one of those type of things. And they go, Oh, are you a Utah fan? And I go, no, I'm not a Utah fan. I go, I go, I'm a better. And they looked at me like I had three heads. What what are you, what are you talking about? A a, a better? I go, well, this is what we do here in Las Vegas. Okay. This is what we, we bet on the games. I go, we really don't have favorite teams. Our favorite team is the last team that covers for us. So, so tomorrow, you know, around five or six o'clock, I said Utah could be my my new favorite team. They go, oh, so you you you, you think that uh, you know we're going to lose tomorrow? I go, oh, I don't know if you're going to lose tomorrow, but I said I'm I'm going to bet on it, you know. And their and their face just dropped, and they're right. going like, betting, like you right. know, betting you. This, really? This is this is what people do here? They they bet on these games? Yeah. I go, yes, this is what they do. I go, when you get off the elevator, take a sharp left, go take a peek in there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I love about Midwest people. I am one. You you were in Wisconsin yeah. for 13, 14 years. Only 12. All right. uh, only 12. Okay, well, <laughs> hey, you put in your time. Yeah. You you saw enough winters yeah. to make sure. Oh. But yeah. I, I just love it that the perspective that we have and and how it, we love our teams and, and, yeah. and we want to pick who wins, but yeah. it, it all comes down to the point spread. Yeah. It really does. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we come back. Scott Spritzer is going to join us. We'll get his thoughts on the nightcap of the college football playoff between Georgia and Michigan. Also, we'll go over the bowl games for tomorrow. we got five of them. And then, of course, we'll take a good look at the NFL, and we'll update you on the COVID situation as well, the Raiders and the Colts. We touched on that yesterday. We will give you an update on where that stands uh, right now as well, too. So plenty of football to talk about on this uh, final show of 2021 here at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. It is the T.C. Martin Show. We are live inside the beautiful, spacious sports book here, powered by William Hill at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas on this Football Friday. 
The T.C. Martin Show. There's only one thing we know for sure. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. The Dr. T.C. Martin. It was a most ripping victory. By kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. The Doctor is now in. And a happy festive New Year as we uh, celebrate New Year's Eve here tonight, of course, at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Uh, Believe it or not, I know a lot of people are afraid to go out here in Las Vegas. And I know that uh, Gilby, the intern, was probably scaring people off at the beginning of the show saying, you know, hey, we got the fireworks tonight, this and that, it's going to be crowded, whatever. It was smooth as silk getting into the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas today. It's not going to get crazy until later. So you want to come on by and enjoy the second half of the Alabama-Cincinnati game and come out here and hang out with us here inside the sportsbook powered by William Hill. Like we're here each and every Friday. You can come on down. No problem whatsoever. You'll make it down. So come on. Bye. Enjoy the show. We're here until 4 o'clock, of course. Then it'll get a little bit crazier. They're actually going to close the strip tonight at 5.30. That's when that happens. So uh, you and I will will be escaped by then. So it'll be good. Out the back door. (laughs) (laughs) Up Harmon. Out of the way. All right. uh, Double B Brian Benowitz uh, over at T-Mobile Arena in the Golden Knights uh, putting it to Anaheim. There's two and a half minutes to go in this game. Three nothing. Double B will be on his way over here. It was great to be at the Las Vegas Bowl last night, uh, hanging out uh, with a Double B, Jay Schrader. Uh, good time watching uh, Wisconsin uh, take care of business. But uh, man, there was a lot of uh, anxious people there as that that number ended at seven and a half there were some eights and mm-hmm. like our next guest scott spritzer was talking to us yesterday uh you know this thing opened six six and a half there were sevens out there earlier in the day then it was seven and a half closed around eight and uh, wisconsin put a nine minute drive together to close the game they're up by seven <laughs> never gave the ball back to arizona state and wisconsin ended the game on the two yard line and uh, there were a bunch of Wisconsin fans that uh, that wanted Paul Chris to kick a field goal. They said, like, "Kick the field goal!" And they went just they went Neil Diamond, uh, you know, on on fourth down, was as the clock uh, hit zero. But uh, yeah, very good game, entertaining game. Arizona State showed up for a little bit, but Wisconsin just uh, ran the ball down their throats, specifically in the fourth quarter. And the uh, Badgers win by seven. So depending on what you had, you got it early. You covered with Wisconsin. Uh, you had a teaser on both sides. You covered. But if you had ASU like Double B did, plus seven and a half, sweating bullets, you got there. <laughs> All right. Scott Spritzer joins us now. Scott, what's going on, my man? Happy New Year. Hey, man. Happy New Year to you, too. I was, you know, listening to what you were saying, and that's what we were talking about yesterday. Uh, don't lay more than seven with the Badgers yep. you know, at that point. <laughs> And it's because they could control the line of scrimmage so well. That's what I was trying to say yesterday is that, you know, once it got over seven, I was out. I had checked out and thought seven or less. But, you know, Paul Christ is not the greatest offensive play caller. And, you know, they were kind of even – I was watching it on TV. I stayed home last night. And they were even the broadcaster saying at the end, you know, will he he still be calling the shots on offense next year or will they bring somebody in to call the shots? And they certainly need to bring somebody in. They have found their rhythm again, their identity again late in the season, as we talked yesterday, as opposed to early on in the year when they were passing the ball too much. Uh, but the bottom line is, is they got to do something offensively. That was a really boring game after the first quarter. Yeah. And if you had the over, 
you know, in the low 40s, and there's 17 points with three quarters to go. You had to be feeling pretty good about things. Right. Yeah. And like you said, back to Wisconsin's identity, they're a run-first football team, but every time uh, Graham Mertz would go back to pass, I mean, I was just cringing. Like, oh, you, you know, and again, it's obvious passing downs. And he had the big third-down completion there in, in the fourth quarter. Uh, he had a big gainer there, but for the most part, a very pedestrian, and that's what uh, – would stop Wisconsin from, you know, having a, a very good season this year. And, again, they lost that game against Minnesota because of quarterback play. And I think, like I mentioned yesterday, there only four games that he had over 200 yards. And, you know, we're getting another situation like that tonight, believe it or not, as we transition to the college football playoff, Scott. And that is Cade McNamara's situation. Four games this year where he's thrown for 200 yards or more. And, again, I don't know if it's because it's the Big Ten or what it is, but, you know, you're not going to beat good defenses when you're one-dimensional. And uh, that's that's what I'm a little bit leery uh, for when you when you look at this Michigan-Georgia uh, you know, game tonight. So, But before we get into that, real quick, we know we're at halftime at Alabama-Cincinnati. Uh, quick thoughts. It seems like this game is unfolding like, like we predicted that it would yesterday when we were handicapping this game with uh, Alabama taking care of Cincinnati and really shutting them down defensively. Yeah, you know, I, I used the first half minus seven of the contest, so I was actually quite happy with that last touchdown drive uh, to, to get that over that seven. But, you know, it's funny, I'm, I'm watching that game and I'm texting when it was seven to three, I'm texting with a couple of other betters in town, and, and I was saying, man, you just get the feeling. I know it's seven three. I know Luke Fickle is unbelievable as a head coach. He's got a good staff, got a decent defense, but you just get the feeling that if – if Young can get on track, and he was flustered for a good chunk of the first half, if he can get on track, this looks like 34-10. to 10. You know, that was at 7-3. And then they had the chance to cover that muff punt inside the Alabama 20, which could have kept it close. Obviously, that didn't happen. And Bama, you know, finds a couple of openings by Young with his receivers where the defense kind of, you know, broke down a little bit in the secondary. Next thing you know, 90 yards later, they're scoring that late touchdown to go up 14. The biggest thing to me, TC, about Alabama, and, and I know they're great everywhere, they've always got normally the better quarterback between themselves and the opponent they're playing. They've always got the better head coach and Nick Saban than anybody they're playing. And they're good in the trenches. We know all of that. But to me, what separates Alabama from the rest of the college football world is the, is the receivers You know that Nick Saban has been recruiting for the last several years. I mean, they're just next level. You know, and so I, yeah, they're great everywhere. They can run the football. They can open up holes like nobody's business. But those receivers are unbelievable. And we saw a couple of drives, including on the last one, where a receiver or two made a big play or two on a pass that wasn't great. It was off a little bit. And the receiver just, you know, makes the catch like it's nothing, like it's butter. And, and that's the biggest difference to me is the receiving core. They're just too talented, too big, too fast for just about every defense they play. Yeah, and they just have the depth. And when you talked about John Mitchie not playing today, and I thought that was a little bit of a red flag, uh, you know, for Alabama, just a little bit, because they're not as deep at wide receiver as they've been in years past. And, you know, we talk about Devontae Smith and Henry Ruggs and those guys in the last few years. You've seen that. They just go three, four deep. This year, not so much, because it, even though they, they have really committed 
to the pass. Like I said, we've seen uh, so, some games where Bryce Young hasn't really been that sharp, but it did not matter. Uh, you know, tonight again, you're 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 seeing uh, that depth, and it just you're seeing an Alabama team that it just seems to be bigger, faster, stronger, and more importantly, just more experienced than what uh, what Cincinnati has faced uh, at any time uh, this season. Yeah, and the guys that have filled in, you know, like like you look at Bolden and, and yep. players like that that have filled in for Mitch even out of this game, it, it just shows you what they can do when called upon, you know, and they just get open. And, and it's not just receiving, not just catching the football. It's when you watch this team play, those guys are out there blocking as well as any wide receiver unit when they're running the football. And, you know, of course, Robinson's just tearing it up on the ground. And, uh, sorry, I just got off track there. I'm watching Brassois give up the uh, – the shutout with 11 seconds to go, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, but anyway, back to the games. When I watch what's going on and I see that Cincinnati can't do anything on offense, and, you know, they threw the ball on their last possession on first down probably because of where the clock was. But I was when we were texting back and forth with a couple of other betters, I'm like, now listen, I don't want to question Luke Fickle. He's done an amazing job. He's an amazing coach. We might see him on the Seahawks sideline next year. You never know. I think he's waiting for an NFL gig. But I'm sitting there and I'm watching and I'm like, can you throw the football on first down once in a while? You know, every single possession was second and nine, second and ten. Run the ball between the tackles, gain a yard at best, and all of a sudden you're behind the sticks. And so, you know, it's one of those situations where I think they've done a nice job in trying to fluster and frustrate Young. But the bottom line is you've got to be able to move the football. And if all you're going to do is run the ball on first down and gain a yard every time, you're not going to have too many decent possessions. And, and that was my biggest complaint about Cincy in the first half. No, you're right. And, and I think what the Fickle's mindset is, and I don't agree with it at all, but a lot of these coaches, when they know that they're double-digit underdogs and they're going to have to play the perfect game, they want to shorten the game. And they think by exactly. running the football, that you know we're going to shorten the game here. But if, if you watch Cincinnati during the course of the year, this has been kind of their M.O. I, and that's why I said yesterday, I don't know how much I really trust you know Desmond Ritter and when they struggled with so many of those, those other teams. But you can see, I mean, do you really think you're going to be able to run the ball, especially between the tackles against the mammoth defensive line that Al Alabama has and that's you know as we transition Scott to the game tonight and that's why I like Georgia tonight because I think Michigan's going to have that exact same game plan they are going to try to run the ball up the middle they're not really innovative when it comes to their offense especially their passing game and Georgia is even stronger than Alabama though Alabama beat Georgia and we've talked about that before but Georgia's strength those two monstrous defensive tackles uh, in their front seven. And if Michigan is going to approach the game the way Cincinnati's approaching this game, we could have an instant replay, uh, you know, coming up tonight. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, great, Cincy. You know, you control the clock by running the football. You beat Tulsa. You beat East Carolina. You beat South Florida. But you've got to have a different wrinkle when you're, you know, trying to play for a national championship. And as you mentioned, the same goes for the Wolverines tonight. You know, they're going to try to be that power pro-style offense. They've got a couple of really good running backs who had big seasons. But when it comes to, you know, a game like this against still, I don't care that they got beat by Alabama. I was glad they did. I had Bama in that game. Right. But Georgia's got the best defensive front in all of college football. Now, if you think you're going to go out there and do what you did, you know, against some of the bottom feeders in the Big Ten and push them around, you're not going to do that against Georgia. You've got to have some wrinkles. And I know at the same time, a head coach like Jim Harbaugh or like Luke Fickle, very good coaches, are probably sitting there going, well, we've got to stick to our guns and do what, you know, we've got to dance with the girl that brought us to the dance. 
And the problem is, is though, when you're stepping up against the lead opposition, you better throw another wrinkle or tool into the mix, or you're just going to get shut down. And I agree with you. I don't think Michigan can come out and just run the ball and hope to win. And, and on third and six, expect McNamara to be able to bail you out with his arm every time. And it's not going to happen if that's what they do. If Michigan's able to do that and win this game, then I am just completely off-kilter and wrong in the handicap of this game. Uh, you know, Michigan's better than Cincinnati, but Georgia's defensive front is better than Alabama's. And I agree with you, man. It's like you've got to come out with a, def- a different wrinkle if you're the Michigan Wolverines without getting too far off of your game plan. But you've had a month to prepare, so you've got to come out with something different. All right. And, again, you know, how, how good is this Michigan team? Because when you look at, you know, going back to Halloween, when they lost to the day before Halloween, when they lost to Michigan State, I mean, we weren't thinking much of this team at that point in time. They really hadn't beaten any quality opponents. And then after that, they really didn't beat any quality opponents. And, of course, they, they beat Ohio State, and that was their signature win. And then, you know, Iowa, they obliterate Iowa. But Iowa, as we know, I mean, they struggled all year. They had one of the worst offenses in the Big Ten. So, again, when you're facing an SEC team like Georgia, and I know a lot of people, and we talked about it yesterday, they get so involved in the last thing that these guys that you've seen in their last game. And I think that we are going to see a Georgia team that has just exhaled. They've had plenty of time to recoup. And we're going to see the same Georgia team that we saw, you know, four or five weeks ago, not the one that we saw two or three weeks ago. And I, I fully expect Georgia to to take it to Michigan. And I, th- I think this number is a little bit short, Scott. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's, you know, everybody's thinking about what happened to Georgia in the Alabama game. And like you, I, I look at the body of work, and, and that tells me that Georgia is number one or number two in the nation. And you mentioned, you know, the win over Ohio State. You know, listen, Ohio State shot themselves in the foot over and over in that football game. I don't want to take away too much from the win, but the bottom line is Ohio State, you know, they did a lot for Michigan in that game to help the Wolverines get the victory. You look at the game, you know, just going back to, like, Nebraska, if the Huskers have a a quarterback who doesn't make mistakes in key situations like Martinez did all season long, Michigan probably loses in Lincoln. You know, they only won by three, and it was a tie game until Martinez fumbles the ball around his own 30-yard line with a couple of minutes to go in the game. Michigan kicks a field goal and wins. So they've had some close calls. The Penn State win extremely close and on and on. The win over Iowa, listen, Iowa... Uh, they finished 10-3 and three before the bowl game, and that had to be the worst Power 5 10-3 and three team I've ever <laughs> right. seen in my life. Right. And I mentioned yesterday, I never had that team in my top 20 TC and my power ratings this entire season, even back when they were number two on the coaches and the AP poll and all that kind of stuff. I had them outside my top 20. I wasn't a believer. So the, the wins for Michigan this year, you know, they left a little bit, to be desired, I think, as far as I'm concerned, even though they blew out Iowa in the end, which, by the way, give them credit. They got over the Ohio State win real yeah. quick, and they played their game. But you're not going to go up against Georgia with that game plan and come away the winner, at least in my opinion. So we're, we're in agreement. We're both laying the points here with the Bulldogs. And you saw all these tickets, tons of tickets, coming in on Michigan. Right now it's about 60% on Michigan, so it has come down a little bit. But you were talking about 80% of the tickets on Michigan yesterday throughout the course of this game or this line and, and the fact that when it was live for betting, yet the line never came down to seven or less, which tells you what the bookmakers are thinking. This, the, the respected money's on the Bulldogs. Right. 
they weren't going to drop it to seven because they knew they would have got a lot of sharp money and a lot of big money, I think, coming in on Georgia, minus seven. Yep, a lot of the small bettors or the casual bettors uh, betting on the Michigan Wolverines. And uh, back to Adrian Martinez real quick, Scott. I, I think you shortchanged him a little bit. Hasn't he been there the last six years? And we've seen that same story with him. Yeah. Not just last year. We've seen that same story with Martinez. It seems like he's been there for eight or ten years in Nebraska. <laughs> you know, they, they say that this, this kid is as, as good as it gets as far as off the field. A really good guy, a great teammate. And he, was, he has a lot of skills, there's no doubt about, doubt about it, but he has a propensity oh, to geez. make huge mistakes yeah. at the wrong time. Now he's going to Kansas State through the transfer portal. Yeah. Let him have him in Manhattan. I, I did, how's this guy? Is he 30? I mean, how's this guy continue to get eligibility year after year? It seems like he's been there forever. And it's again, pretty it's, amazing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Scott Spritzer joins us, uh, Doc Sports. All right, Scott, uh, quickly, let's go through these uh, bowl games before we touch on some NFL stuff here. Uh, Outback Bowl tomorrow, Arkansas in Penn State. We know that Penn State is going to have a couple guys that not playing in this contest. And, you know, Arkansas is kind of a, a sexy pick here. Uh, you know, the, the Hogs have, have beaten a couple quality teams this year, but uh, a little under the radar. Is, is the right team favored in this game? It's tough because they opened a four-point dog. And so now you got to lay two and a half, you know, if right. you want to bet Arkansas. And I see some juice moving up on that two and a half. One joint has minus 20. Another joint has yeah. minus 17. You're getting the worst of it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I know what's going on here. I mean, everybody talks about, you know, all the Penn State players that are going to be missing this football game. I left it alone. I didn't get the three and a half or the four with Arkansas. And now that Arkansas six and a half points or seven points in some instances different than what the line was earlier, I decided to stay off of it, combined with the fact that the SEC has been dog meat in these bowls until, you know, maybe Alabama today and maybe Georgia tonight. But the teams that are playing for a championship from the SEC have, you know, gone winless, basically. And, you know, you saw Tennessee yesterday giving up 48 to a Purdue team that was missing a ton of players. So I don't trust the SEC right now outside of the two semifinal games. And at the same time, I you know, I just don't want to back a team that's missing so many players talking about Penn State. I know you like Oklahoma State, as do I, uh, tomorrow. You gave some great uh, information on that game yesterday. Uh, and Oklahoma State getting two and a half here. Uh, staunch defense. I mean, one of the best in the country, uh, number three. And they're solid both against the run and the pass. Uh, you, want, you want to say something real quickly about Oak State uh, in Notre Dame yeah. tomorrow? And that number's dropped. It's it's gone from, what, two and a half down to now as low as one in some spots. So I'm just looking at all the books in Vegas. They're basically one couple of one and a halfs out there. And, and I did grab Oklahoma State plus two and a half. And there's two real quick reasons I'll give you for this besides the fact that Notre Dame, you know, doesn't have the same coach on the field that got him here. They don't have a lot of the same players that are going to be out here. The interest level seems a little bit off for Notre Dame in this contest. They've been horrible for many, many years now when it comes to these big bowl games, the New Year's Day bowl games and later. And I think it's going to happen again. I also, there's two things that I look at when I'm looking at bowls. I love to bet on bowl dogs who have that two-to-one rush ratio uh, throughout the course of the season, and especially when they hold their opponents to an average of less than 100 yards rushing per game. That fits Oklahoma State. It's 2-0 and this year on Air Force and San Diego State so far. And then I love going on seasoned bowl head coaches when they're going up against a head coach that's preparing for a bowl game for the first time, and that's Freeman. Gundy, 10-5 and Suat, straight up and against the spread in college football bowl games, and I just think the Cowboys get the job done here. That's yeah, a Fiesta Bowl at 10 o'clock in the morning. The Citrus Bowl also about the same time. Kentucky and Iowa, 
uh, you know, Kentucky, a, a three-point favorite uh, in this contest. You know, they had obliterated uh, Louisville. Iowa coming off their big blowout loss uh, as well, too. Could have a, an ugly game here. But uh, I know there are some people that are backing Iowa here, and, and I don't know why, Scott, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to be involved in this game at all. What about you? Yeah, I'm not involved. I leaned Kentucky, but not enough to pull the trigger on the game. Listen, as far as statistics are concerned, not even close. I mentioned Iowa earlier. They weren't in my top 20 in power ratings any time this season. They were outgained. Here's a good example. They were outgained by almost 30 yards per game this season on average for the entire season, yet they're 10-3. and three. They're like the opposite, the antithesis of Nebraska. You know, Nebraska outgains their opponents. They're 3-9 and nine or whatever they are. Iowa gets outgained. They're 10-3 and because they don't make mistakes. Uh, so they were like 90th in yards per point margin, all that kind of stuff, just horrible. I, I like Kentucky here, but it, wasn't, it just wasn't enough to jump on board and bet the game. Uh, Kentucky's the kind of team that could make mistakes. They've had a lot of problems with turnover issues this year, and that's how Iowa wins games. All right, the Rose Bowl might not be the most attractive matchup, but I'm looking forward to the game. I'm going to the game tomorrow. Utah. Iowa, uh, Ohio State, and Ohio State, a four, four-and-a-half point favorite here. And we look at Utah, Scott. They have just uh, uh, closed the season very, very strong, blowing out opponents, including Oregon twice. Uh, quick thoughts on this game. Yeah, I just wonder if the line's been adjusted a little bit too much. I mean, I, I'd like to play Utah, but at this number, I can't. Here's the thing that I look back to. You know, Oregon beat Ohio State. We know that. Oregon got trashed twice against Utah wasn't even close, but obviously different parts of the season. And the fact that Ohio State was laying like 14 points, you know, or close to that, to the Ducks, and Utah was basically laying three kind of tells you what the power ratings say about these two programs. The, the question that you have when you're back in Ohio State, if you do in this game, are they motivated to be here? Utah's pumped, man. They're ready to go. Is Ohio State raring to go for this game? The Rose Bowl doesn't mean what it used to since the playoffs began a few years ago. And that's what bothers me the most. If Ohio State is, is there between the years, it might be an in-game bet for me. Their wide receivers should go nuts in this game again if they're focused on this contest. And Ohio State will be missing two of their top receivers, including Olave in this game. But this is a motivation number all the way. That's why that number is where it is. You hit the nail on the head because they, they look at the Ohio State not being motivated, having several opt-outs, about six guys opting out on both sides of the ball and a Utah team that's fired up. And I, I agree with you. Initially, you look at this and you're going to say, wait a minute, that's a low line for Ohio State. And that's a pure motivational number, no doubt about and they do it. Have the, and they do have the deepest wide receiving core. I mean, yep. one of the deepest in the country, maybe the deepest. So yep. they're missing a couple of the guys, but it's like next man up. It, it all comes down. And, again, this is a game that I've reserved for in-game betting because right. if the Buckeyes are there, if they show up mentally, uh, they should be able to handle this team. All right. Sugar Bowl, Baylor and Ole Miss. This is going to be a good one. And Ole Miss is exciting to watch with Lane Kiffin, Matt Corral, their quarterback. Uh, and, and we've seen Baylor. I mean, they're on the outside looking into the college football playoff. I'll tell you, and I said it a little while ago, I would have rather seen Baylor or, or Oklahoma State in, in, in the number four slot instead of Cincinnati. But uh, this game is virtually a pick em. Um Ole Miss, uh, basically a point and a half favorite in this one. Yeah, you know, it's one of the things that people talk about when they point to Baylor in this game is that uh, the Ole Miss offensive coordinator took the job with the Sooners. But I don't have a problem with Lane Kiffin calling the shots on offense, especially with all this time to prepare. And I think what it's going to come down to eventually, TC, is that, uh, 
the Baylor offense is going to not be able to keep up in this game. That's what I expect to have to happen. Uh, I have not jumped in on this game, so I want to get that out there for full disclosure. But if you made me bet this game, it would be Ole Miss at this point. I just think the offense is going to produce too many points, too many decent possessions for Baylor to be able to keep up in this game. And you know, you got to wonder where Baylor's mindset is. They could come out with a chip on their shoulder, not get in a top four spot, and they could come out and say, "Boy, do we really want to be here? I mean, we want to be in the playoffs." So that's tough to judge, also. All right, Scott Spicer joins us. Doc Sports, go to DocSports.com uh, for Scott's uh, selections. All right, Scott, uh, NFL, uh, a quick thought. Where is your attention focused on Sunday? Yeah, I'm still, you know, we kind of talked about it yesterday. I still think the Lions are a solid play. I mean, they've covered 10 of 15. They're 6-1 and one the last seven against the spread. And one thing we know about Detroit that might not be in place for Seattle, unless maybe Pete Carroll announces he's retiring before the game, which you never know could happen. But the Lions continue to play hard each and every week for Dan Campbell. They, they like this guy, the players. And Goff is supposed to play, but Boyle wasn't that bad last week if he has to play. Uh, Seattle's lost, what, 10 games? First time they've lost double-digit in games in the Pete Carroll era. You've got Russell Wilson potentially moving on after this game to another location. Uh, that's tough, man. There's a lot of moving parts right now for Seattle, and most of them are negative. And then blowing that 10-point lead in the fourth quarter against the Bears of all teams last week has to hurt this team a little bit between the years. And one real quick note as far as what goes on on the field, you know, Seattle's played 15 games this year. They've been outstatted a dozen times, 12 of those 15 games. So I think the fact that you're getting seven or more, not a bad move to jump on Detroit. All right, good stuff. All right, Scott, we appreciate uh, my man. Uh, have a safe uh, New Year's Eve uh, tonight. And I know uh, uh, we'll be watching a lot of football on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, and make sure you check out uh, Scott's uh, selections. Go to DocSports.com for all the information. He's a great follow on Twitter, too, at Scott Wins. All right, my friend, I appreciate you, and uh, be good, be safe, and uh, Happy New Year to you and the family. Hey, we're heading to our favorite restaurant around 6 o'clock tonight. My blood sugar is a little bit low. I'm just glad I got through this because I'm starving myself that's until I get my favorite restaurant. I'm like you, buddy, man. i got to eat at my favorite places. There it is. <laughs> I, that's been me the last couple days. And I, I, I got the blue ribbon in last night right oh. before the Las Vegas Bowl. I did the exact same thing, my friend. Just, you know, <laughs> I, I had to fast all day. So, good man. And I, I got a feeling where you're going. So, I, I know you'll uh, you'll enjoy your time tonight. I appreciate it, man. Take T- care. Take care. There he is. Scott Sprites are joining. Us. All right, we come back. The wide receivers in the house, Mike Pritchard, and we will talk a little NFL and college bowl games as well, too. Double B will join us on his way back from the Golden Knights victory over the Anaheim Ducks, three to one, and uh, Cincinnati gets a field goal to make it seventeen to six, and uh, then we will uh, talk about the second half of this game, and of course, Michigan and Georgia on the way tonight in the Orange Bowl, the second half of the college football playoff semifinals. T.C. Martin live from the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas inside the sportsbook powered by William Hill on this football playoff Friday. Get back on track. The only thing that matters is a win. That's it. However, whatever, whatever it takes. Let's go, man. Let's win on three. One, two, three. Man. Live. In the entertainment capital of the world. Vikings blitz. Manning got it off the rare deep throw. And maybe that's why they don't do it. Intercepted by Xavier Rhodes. It's the T.C. Martin Show. They're not used to this damn heat. They're over there trying to set up damn pits over there on the sideline. Hey, it's a ride. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. 
T.C. Martin. Okay, I ain't going to worry about you no more. 300 yards, four touchdowns. It's so sweet when you walk off the field knowing you gave everything you got. Team win tonight. The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us. Hour number two here on this Football Friday, College Football Friday. T.C. Martin here inside the Sportsbook, powered by William Hill, our Friday home, the Cosmopolitan. The last day of the year, we're bringing in 2022, a packed house here inside the Sportsbook, inside the Cosmopolitan, your place for a great weekend, of course. Maroon 5 performed last night at the Chelsea. They're back at it again tonight. Uh, the restaurants, you can make some reservations, get in here over the course of the weekend. And, of course, the ice rink up on the fourth floor, uh, they've been going on ever since uh, the end of November. And uh, the ice rink, a fantastic uh, place to go and hang out, have some hot chocolate, even if you're not an ice skater like me. Uh, but just go hang out. Uh, that is open till Sunday night. Uh, I believe they'll be closing it down around 11 p.m. So if you haven't experienced the ice rink here at the Cosmopolitan, it's fantastic. It's a great winterland holiday tradition. It's all fantastic here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. T.C. Martin, Double B, Brian Benowitz uh, in the house. He will be joining us here uh, this hour, making his way back from a Golden Knights victory over at T-Mobile Arena. He was there for that as they defeat uh, Anaheim 3-1. to we keep an eye on the college football playoff. Alabama leading Cincinnati 17-6. Alabama led at halftime 17-3, really dominating both sides of the ball, dominating statistically as well, too. Uh, Cincinnati uh, comes out here and gets a second-half kickoff. They could only muster a field goal. Uh, then uh, Alabama couldn't move the ball. Cincinnati punts. Alabama has it uh, again right now. So we're about midway through um, the third quarter, and Alabama leading 17-6. They, a big 13-point favorite. Cincinnati comes up with the interception. The crowd going crazy here, so they're hanging around a little bit. All right, enjoying this uh, for this hour, our good friend, the former wide receiver and also longtime broadcaster, Mike Pritchard, does a fantastic job uh, over at VEASAN as well as uh, Raider Nation Radio and uh, the former uh, Bronco receiver, the Falcon receiver, and the Las Vegas native himself. Appreciate you always, my man. Anytime you can come on by, it's great hanging out with you. Hey, it's great to be with you. You forgot Seahawks, too. Uh, Seahawks, too. <laughs> exactly. You yeah, and my boy no. Amon Green hung out together. That's right. That's yeah. right. Had a decade in the league. And, uh, no, it's great to be with you today, man. You got it, man. Yeah. All right. So uh, what are you thinking about here, man? You got to, we, got, we got college football playoff. Oh. It's, it, is it unusual for you? That we're we're seeing a this the number one seed against the number four seed on a 12:30 afternoon game on Friday here it just doesn't seem right right and then we got the the second game coming up here around 4:30 or so uh, tonight uh, you know on New Year's Eve but on a Friday seems like a lot of people might be missing this game I think it's perfect I mean I yeah. get you I hear what yeah. you're saying it's a Friday everybody's getting ready for the holiday but well, I, I that's think it's because I gotta work man yeah, I, I know, want to be, right? be home in front of my TV sure sure but no I think it's perfect because you do have the holiday and you do have people a wide audience for it i want to see it expand though yes i want to see more playoff football and college football yes. so uh yeah i mean we, we get the double header tonight or today and tonight which is awesome but i cannot wait until it expands and we get about eight teams in there or perhaps more a little bit more and more games yeah 
I think eight is the is the is the right number. It's you know we get into this situation here where we've seen the number four team mm-hmm. just really not be competitive since they've expanded the four team. And a lot of people wanted Cincinnati in because they had the undefeated record. They kind of say, hey, we like the underdog. But for the most part, we're seeing. I don't know about you, but what I've talked a lot about in the last couple of weeks. This is kind of what we expected. You know, Cincinnati not being able really to match up with Alabama. I mean, they're hanging, but. I think, like you said off air before we came on, it's like, hey, Alabama's just doing their thing and Cincinnati's not being able to move the wall. Yeah, I mean, it's like Cincinnati's trying to do too much, though. Like, they're trying to find a winning formula as opposed to just perfecting what they do. There you like, go. you're either going to line up and be good or not, right? And right. I played in back-to-back national championship game situations, and you're not going to alter. You shouldn't alter to who you are. And uh, I think Alabama or teams like that, can make you alter, can make you change, you know, and, and do things uh, out of your comfort zone. Like Ritter getting knocked down at the line of scrimmage repeatedly. Yeah. Why are they keeping him in there? I mean, he's a mobile guy, and it's like you just, you're just playing into the hands of Alabama. Clearly they have a plan for that, right? Clearly Alabama has studied tape, and they're not even going to rush this guy, and they know when to jump <laughs> right. at the line of scrimmage. Right. But, but your coaches, I mean, it's, it's fascinating how – I get this question all the time. Like, coaches, you know, is there a good coach? Is there a bad coach? And I'm like, yeah, there, there, there are good coaches and bad coaches. But mainly, coaches need to identify the skill sets of the players and er- everything that they're capable of doing, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and, and if that's the case, uh, then you're able to adjust. You're not, you're not supposed to be stubborn with your game plan and think that you calling the plays from the sideline is going to make the difference. Right. The players are. Right. Uh, and, and so when coaches uh, stay true to that, uh, then I, I think that's when they get in tr- themselves in yeah. trouble. And we've seen Cincinnati be very predictable on first down as well, too. They want right. to try to run between the tackles. Right. And, and is that because they're trying to maybe shorten the game a little bit because they know they're out, man? But it's like you said, you have to do what got you here. Mm-hmm. And we understand they're playing in the American, and they had some close calls. I mean, they didn't look great against teams like right. Tulsa and Navy and Tulane. And they they look very good against a Houston team that we saw is pretty good, but they had home field advantage for that. But for the most part, this the Cincinnati team just – I mean, they haven't just obliterated people in their conference. Like, uh, I'll use Utah as an example. Mm-hmm. I mean, Utah closed the season just by by hammering everybody because they knew what their identity was. And you're right. I'm looking at Cincinnati. What is their identity? Well, you know, you know watching them all year, uh, Ritter, he's not a guy that uh, was a prolific thrower right. of the football anyway. I mean, uh, I mean, I know he had his moments for sure, but – they're a ball-controlled offense. I, I think what they were doing in this game, trying to establish the qu- quicker throws and uh, the, the quicker drops, getting the ball out, uh, making Alabama not be able to time uh, the throws at the line of scrimmage. But when he's in a pocket and he's taking a full drop, okay, Alabama's got a, got a game plan for that. Uh, and it's, I'm, I'm just trying to wonder why are they not using the mobility of this guy, uh, having him either move the pocket or, or deeper drops, uh, more max protects things. Invite the blitz from Alabama because I know that you know Alabama wants to do that. <laughs> then you got one-on-one matchups out there too. So uh, I, I don't know. Sometimes these coaches they just get locked into what they worked on all week and they think, oh, we're going to break through. Our game plan is going to work at some point when when a lot of times it doesn't. Right. How do you see uh, tonight's game? We got Georgia yeah. and Michigan. And again, we. 
a lot of people, they, when they saw Georgia lose to Alabama, I think there are some people out there that, that lost a little bit of faith because they get so wrapped up in the last game they saw. But if you look at the overall body of work, which I like to yeah. do, uh, this Georgia defense uh, is very staunch uh, against a Michigan team that has some problems throwing the ball. And uh, for me, I think that this, this game tonight could end up like this game that we're seeing here. I don't know how much faith that I have in Jim Harbaugh in trying to open things up and be creative, especially with a quarterback like like Cade McNamara. Yeah, you know, Harbaugh isn't calling the plays either. I mean, he's involved in offense, but they they hired a new staff, and and a lot of success came with that. Uh, I, I think Michigan will still do what they want to do. They got they got a great offensive line, and I think they believe in what their offensive line can do, even against that Georgia front. I, I'm sure they're going to look to see what Bama did and, and try to get to that thing, those kind of plays, but they can't right. because Bama is different than what Michigan. Uh, McNamara is different uh, in terms of a quarterback than Bryce Young. So uh, Michigan's going to have to run the football. They're going to have to, and we could get a low scoring to start. It could be one of those slow start games, but as it evolves, though, uh, and you wonder about Stetson Bennett, can he hold up against Aiden Hutchinson in that pass rush, though? Right. I mean, Michigan can bring it. And I know Daxon Hill is banged up. He's questionable in the secondary for Michigan. So uh, we'll, we'll see, though. I, I think, I think it's, this game exploded on us, right? Alabama and Cincinnati. Alabama just went right down the field. Okay, Cincinnati was moving the ball a little bit, too. But then, lo and behold, you know, the, the game takes over. It's exactly. Alabama. Right. So if, if, if Michigan can, can establish the running game, that allows them to stay in the game longer, though. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'll be looking to see if that can happen early. Yeah, yeah, and I agree with you. And for me, I think that's where I don't think they can. But yeah. going back to the other side of the ball, Stetson Bennett, I don't know if he's going to be able to pick apart that, that Michigan secondary or not, or if Kirby Smart is going to allow him to do that. Do you think that we see JT Daniels uh, in this game? I think that's a high possibility, yeah, yeah to be right? honest with you. I, I yeah. think uh, all hands on deck in this game, and JT Daniels transferred there for a reason. Uh, Betson, Bet, uh, Stetson Bennett, he's been um, a steady presence at quarterback for him. Uh, but they need to run a game for sure. Uh, you know, and all year long, I think from a skill position standpoint, Georgia's been banged up too. Uh, but they got it done. They they were they right. went untested right uh, until Alabama, obviously, yep. in an SEC championship game. So uh, Michigan's going to be physical, though. I, I think Harbaugh's going to have that bunch revved, revved up, ready to go, though. Why do you think the reluctancy – that Kirby Smart has with not going to JT Daniels. Riding the hot hand, you know, Kirby's gone through it for a lot of years. The reason why I thought, and I was high on Georgia since the beginning mm-hmm. of the season, was that they finally had one guy at quarterback. If you think about the years at quarterback for Georgia, it was Fromm, it was Eason, it was Fields, he transferred out of there. You know, they had this notion of all these blue-chip quarterbacks and they couldn't really settle on a direction. Mm-hmm. And they've been recruiting. They've been lockstep, I think, in Alabama in terms of recruiting classes. So the talent's been there. It's just getting through all the talent, weeding through it, and, okay, who's our guy? And then sticking with that guy. Benson became, uh, Benson became the – Stetson Bennett. Bennett I, I keep doing that. I know. Stetson Bennett. Uh, he became the quarterback because Daniels got hurt. Correct. So yeah. uh, Daniels is a better player, better athlete. Probably the better quarterback, but they've been riding a hot hand, though, with Stetson. All right. You got a pick in this game? Are you going to save that coming up? Are you going to save that for a best bet? Um, no, I, I got it. I, I think a lot of public's on Michigan. Yeah. A lot of public's a lot on of public, Michigan. Yes. 
Uh, but the line's not moving because of not. all the small money is yeah, on that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I could see, uh, you know, from a teaser standpoint, uh, Michigan maybe from that standpoint, mm-hmm. if you want to do something with the total. But I agree with you. I, I think the athletes of Georgia are finally. I've been on Georgia since day one. At Georgia, right. in terms of winning the game. Right. Now, as far as the spread, Michigan could could get inside that number right. a little bit. But uh, as far as winning, though, I, I think Georgia's going to move on. Yeah. Could be a, looking at the Georgia-Alabama rematch, right, huh? Right, right, Yeah. Which, in, in all fairness, I mean, they are the two best teams. Well, they're, they're with, you know. They're in opposite games for a reason, right? That's true. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. They, they could have been playing today. Right. <laughs> so let me, let me ask this to you, especially as a former player here. It just If we go back in, in recent history, it just seems like Alabama has Georgia's number. How real of a thing is that just when it comes to coaching, when it comes to personnel or just matchups or styles? And obviously these two teams know each other very, very well. Yeah. It just seems like, you know, Georgia's rolling along. They, they go into Alabama, and it's like, boom, oh, there's our nemesis again. And we've seen it the last few years. Well, you know what's interesting, TC, is, you know, I think both teams, they have the same athletes, right? They have the same players, the same caliber of players. What's going to be the difference? It really is decisions and situational. Uh, Nick Saban has been brilliant with situational football. That's what sets them apart. Uh, you look at the great coaches in the National Football League over history, all the great ones have been great with situational uh, with situations, and uh, and so it's it's no different. I mean, football is football; it, it doesn't change. You can you can hit a check down route on third and long, and it can convert for a first down, because you can predict that uh, from a coaching standpoint, or even from a uh, understanding of the players that you have on the field standpoint, as opposed to trying to force the ball down the field in the soft coverage. I mean, uh, there's no there's no room for that. But I, I think situational football. That's where coaches separate themselves. All right. Great stuff. Mike Pritchard joins us talking a little college football playoff. Alabama-Cincinnati as we speak here in progress. Uh, Alabama up 17-6. to six. And then tonight we've got Georgia and Michigan. That will kick off approximately 4.40 p.m. Uh, what do you got your eye on tomorrow? we got five bowl games tomorrow. You, you like one more than the other? Um, you're gonna have your I got my eye on Utah. I think Utah brings the wood, man. I, I think Utah. Now, I know they're a favorite dog from a dog standpoint. A lot of people like the, the yeah. story. Uh, and really, the, the emotion that they, that program's had all year long it has been incredible. I, I watched them at the Pac-12 championship, and yeah. uh, I know the fans are going to be revved up. They're going to be there in force. Yeah. Uh, and you're, you're talking about the Rose Bowl. You're talking about Utah. You're talking about Whittingham. That guy, I've known him for decades, right? And um, he, is, he, he knows how to touch each player on that roster. Like, they, they experimented with the Brewer transfer from Baylor. And, right. But it didn't work, right? Yeah, Charlie okay, Brewer, yeah. Right. Oh, listen, yeah. okay, go ahead, quit if you want. He, he, he didn't fit into their he, what he, he was didn't. doing. Yeah. But the quarterback that's in there now who was or there originally, they all embraced him. Yeah. And he's been making plays for him. So uh, Ohio State, you look at the athletes, the top recruiting classes routinely, right? Um, and Stroud's incredible. But there's something about this Utah team this year in terms of catching points that way. I, I, I would side with that. Yeah. You know, it's funny that I look at Utah, and I'm going to make kind of an unusual comparison here, but kind of hear me out here. I, I said this a lot about Utah State this year. Okay. Utah State, they went undefeated on the road this year. Obviously, it's Mount West Conference. But they had this chip on their shoulder because they were this underdog team. And they just kept answering the bell. Remember when they upset San Diego yeah. State? And then they went to their bowl, their bowl game. And then mm-hmm. uh, they, they won in that situation as well, too. 
I view Utah as the exact same situation. A lot of people discounted Utah, you know, early on in the season. Yeah. And then all Utah did was just blast everybody they put in front of them. And they had this chip on the shoulder. And a lot of that is, like you said, it's it's coaching. And I don't know what's in, in the water in the state of Utah, but, you know, <laughs> again, they're different levels. They're different conferences of programs. But they both play with this this will to win, this chip on their shoulder, and it's like no nonsense. Yeah, well, first of all, I think people sleep on the fact that Utah has great high school football, though. There you go. Uh, they have great uh, programs out there, and they they keep their kids in, in state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a lot of pride behind that. You know, it's like that sleeping giant thing. and uh, Or Salt Lake City, uh, you go all the way down to Provo, and then you go up to Logan uh, in the mountains. I mean, those kids are passionate about football. And uh, when you have the right coaches that can tap into that, I mean, it gets it becomes special. Right. Right. And Whittingham knows how to do that, certainly in Salt Lake, in the area that they recruit, uh, getting kids from California, too. But there's a lot of pride with that program. And I think the emotional impact uh, of a couple of their athletes uh, has carried over on the field, and, and they yeah. play with that passion each and every day. Yeah, it's a great story. Yeah. And he's one of the most successful uh, you know, coaches in bowl games yeah. as well, too. He has a tremendous record. Double B, Brian Benowitz in the house. He joins us here, fresh off of the, the Golden Knights. We're sitting there talking about Utah, and you and I saw them firsthand, uh, what they did to Oregon, not once, uh, but but twice. And uh, it should be a very entertaining Rose Bowl tomorrow. I can't wait for the Rose Bowl. I think other than the college football playoff games, it's by far the most uh, 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 entertaining game or exciting game to root for. Uh, I think you got a, a, a dynamic team uh, in Ohio State. I don't know who's exactly going to play for them, but you got a really uh, a great story in Utah. Uh, first time in the Rose Bowl and uh, a workmanlike a team that was kind of dead in the water early on and, and rallied behind some uh, difficult offseason uh, issues that they had with the kids passing away. And they just they just smack people in the face. I mean, you really got to like the way they play. And, and Whittingham has them playing at an elite level. So I'm, I'm excited for them tomorrow. You know, we saw them, and Pritch, you alluded to this too, yeah. at, at the Pac-12 championship game. We were all there, and we saw how well Utah traveled. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine, you know, <laughs> how excited they're going to, how well they're going to travel tomorrow to Pasadena. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward T. to it. T.C. Martin's going to be there. I'm going to be there. Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. a great venue. I, I, I need a Ute uh. shirt. I never, I, never, I, I, I had a Ute shirt when Rick Majerus was there way back in the day, but I, I think that's uh, long gone now Listen, out of my closet. Fresh, Chris the Mailman's going to be there too. He's Chris, all excited. Chris the Mailman. He's driving out first thing in the morning. Nice. Right? Yes. There it is. There yeah. it is. That, He's ready to go. That, that venue <laughs> is, is incredible. I had uh, opportunity to call some games in, yeah. in the Rose Bowl. And, uh, but Whittingham, he's a linebacker, right? Yeah. Uh, and that toughness, uh, they relate to it. And, and he also knows how to tap into it for each and every player. And he's, yeah. he's been there for a long time. Uh, and he's the right guy for the first appearance for Utah in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be great. Uh, there'll be a lot of red in that stadium oh, yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. What's the Pac-12 record right now? Not good. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not so good. Right? Not good. But I think I think Utah's the exception. I think they're really going to yeah. step up and play. Yeah. Well, the SEC wasn't good until this game. And mm-hmm. we talked about it yesterday. It's like, I think it'll be good when Alabama-Georgia play. So they'll start getting the wins. But, you know, a lot of these other teams, you know, uh, you know not, 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 didn't play so well in these matchups. All right, Pritch, let's talk a little bit about the Raiders and uh, the Colts coming up on Sunday. Boy, this thing is continuing to be fluid with the COVID situation uh, right now. Carson Wentz, does he play? Does he not? I don't know. The, deadline, the deadline is Saturday, right? Yeah. He's, he's got a chance to test out of it. So he's unvaxxed. We know that. Yeah. Uh, if he has symptoms, you know, he, he's testing out of it. The thing about the National Football League, and I want people to realize this, is the NFL moved to goalposts. 
And they moved the goalposts at the most important part of the season, which is into the playoffs. And they moved the goalposts because they want their star athletes to play. Uh, and our guys playing with COVID, yeah. Are <laughs> our guys going in there with symptoms and saying, hey, I, I need to test? Some of them are. Will they continue to go in there and say, I need a test? Probably not. <laughs> are a couple but, guys going in with uh, fake Vax cards? Sure, sure. <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, uh, with Carson Wentz, we know that he's unvaxxed, but there's a path for him uh, to get back on the field, right? And uh, you got the deadline coming up on Saturday. The only thing that, that worries me about the Colts, though, is, is, you know, without practicing, um, you lose some aspect to to the game and preparation for the game, uh, but they're not going to do anything that he's unfamiliar with for sure. You know, it's just a matter. Okay, it's the conditioning level, uh, and then making those adjustments on the sidelines uh, if need be. Mm -hmm. Line is seven right now uh, with Colts again, and the Raiders have plenty of COVID issues on on their end as well too. I mean, uh, there are 14 guys were in the protocol as of yesterday, so. Yeah, the, the COVID issues are going to be for everybody. So, I mean, I, I don't think anybody's unique in having to deal with that. Uh, the, the, the fact is, though, the Colts have their, their premium position and the, at the quarterback uh, that may or may not play. And that, that's a big difference when you come to lay seven points or take seven points. Mm -hmm. So, to me, the Raiders, if he doesn't play plus seven, look pretty darn good. Mm -hmm. You trust Carr in this uh, situation? I do. Yeah. I do. I, guess, I, I, I mean, the Colts got a got a really tough. They tough do. Defense, they turn you over. The secondary they, too. They turn you over. But we saw the Raiders unveil a rushing game finally, <laughs> at least be consistent with it. I, you know, that's going to be tough to do that against uh, the Colts. Uh, but when you think about Derek Carr, he will push the ball down the field and. You know, you get the soft zone coverages, too, uh, from the Colts. Uh, I'd be curious about the matchups. Can can the Raiders create those looks, though? Like, against man-to-man -man and stuff like that, Derek Carr will carve them up. I think Derek Carr is that type of quarterback. But if they do play those soft zones and make the Raiders kind of execute, can Derek Carr hold up in the pocket? Uh, against that pass rush, and then also can guys get open? I mean, Hunter Renfro's having a fantastic year. Outside of him, with no Waller, you know, that, that's kind of difficult to see guys consistently get open uh, necessary, you know, to the, to the level necessary uh, for the Raiders to be consistent out there that way. We saw the Raiders with the commitment to the run last week against the Broncos. 27 attempts by Josh Jacobs over 129 yards. Yep. Uh, like you said, we have not seen that. Was that just a one-game scenario against a Bronco team? But, you know, the Broncos coming into that game were one of the best teams against the run. Where, where, where Is this where you think that uh, Greg Olson, their offensive coordinator, Rich Passaccia, want to see them go moving forward, or is that just a, a, a one-off? I, I think that was an outlier because the Broncos, <laughs> they left their helmets and shoulder pads in Denver. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that was inexcusable. I, I, I I could not believe that that team was that soft right. in that game, in and, that moment. And they, and they weren't before that no, game. They, well, I think it's Look what they did to the Cowboys and some of these right. other opponents. They, they stuffed it. Well, then you think about what, what BB was talking about. I mean, with COVID, a lot of those guys tested positive after the game, too. Yeah. So that's what that was my whole point about as a better or you're looking at these games, you know, some of these guys aren't right. Some of these guys aren't 100%, and yet they're going out there and playing. But um, – yeah, I think the Raiders took advantage of the fact that the Broncos came in here soft 
Uh, and, and but but that's not going to be the case out there with Indy. I mean, yeah. that, it's going to be a completely different football game. Yeah, that game last week without the turnovers, it, it would have been a blowout. And it, it was a close game because the Raiders allowed it to be a close yeah. game. Um, I, I've been watching the Raiders a lot this year, and I, I find that they're, they're not using, to me, they're not using Zay Jones well enough. He seems to be open, and, and it, during his uh, car's, you know, progression, he never gets to him. Is, is it something where they're, they're, they're locking in on, first it was Waller, it was yeah. always Waller, yeah. and then quickly to Renfro, and not looking into everybody else, or, or what, what is the deal? Because he does look open from my vantage point a lot, and he just doesn't get the ball. Yeah, you, you know, I don't know if the Raiders make a concerted effort to, like, get the ball to a particular player like you would think they would, mm-hmm. especially at this point of the season when it's a matchup league. Early on they did, though. Like, Waller, you know, they made a concerted effort to get him the ball, or, or Drake when he was out there, and uh, you know, other guys, rugs. I mean, all these guys. But it seems like they have been confined to just operating within a system. Uh, and they really do this a lot. And it's frustrating because they get to the line of scrimmage and they try to get to the perfect play. Basically, they're reacting to what the defense is doing. And that, a lot of times that kind of handcuffs you. But when they're aggressive, when the Raiders go out there, they break the huddle. Or if even at the line of scrimmage, they just go out there and run a play. And they're aggressive that way. They're highly successful. Against the Cowboys, for instance. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would love to see the Raiders play like that. But uh, I, I think it is the coaching on, on that side of things in terms of governing everything that the Raiders do offensively. Gotcha. All right. Great stuff. All right, Mike Pritchard, the wide receiver in the house here to join us. Las Vegas' very own 10 years in the league and uh, does a great job on the broadcasting side as well. When we come back, we'll start looking at the NFL. We will also give you a Golden Knights update. Double B's fresh back from from T-Mobile Arena and our best bet segment coming up where we'll give you our three best bowl games uh, for tomorrow as well as the three best NFL games coming up on Sunday and Monday. It is the T.C. Martin Show live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas on this championship football and the final Friday of 2021. Turn your head and cough. Here's the doctor, T.C. Martin. here on a Friday, the last Friday of the year. Happy New Year to each and everyone. And a great crowd here at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas, of course, as usual, our Friday home. And uh, we were here yesterday as well for the Las Vegas Bowl. Saw an entertaining game last night between the Badgers and uh, the Sun Devils. And the, the Badgers put together a nine-minute drive to close the game. A uh-huh. nine-minute drive. They started on their own three. Yeah. Ended up on their own, like, or on uh, ASU's one-and-a-half. And uh, there were a lot of uh, a lot of testy people as that uh, point spread was seven, <laughs> seven and a half, eight, including my my tag team partner Double B. Listen, <laughs> I sat here, I sat here with, with Pritches right now, and they said the game's up to seven and a half, and I kind of peeked. I went, ah, I kind of like seven and a half. And, and <laughs> with what Arizona a, State, with Arizona State, yeah. what a lucky cover. No. Arizona State played some really well in the second half, yeah. and, and really there was only one big play in that last uh, drive. But uh, they just they uh, Wisconsin. Uh, showed their identity, drove down the field, and then they did the smart thing. The smart thing is to take a knee, and those people who backed ASU really like that. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and the under. And the under. And the, under. <laughs> and, and the people across the way with Wisconsin, they're yeah. like screaming, like, kick the field goal. Yeah. 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 No, not happening. Not going to happen. That's, that's how you lose.
lose a game. Yeah, right. <laughs> Good time for the Las Vegas Bowl. And, uh, yeah, Fritz, you've been around here. We talked about this before. Yeah. You know, 30 years Las Vegas Bowl. Sam Boyd Stadium had some pretty good matchups, but now, uh, you know, what Johnson Senti and the guys have, have done, it's it's fantastic. Moving it closer to New Year's Day, the affiliation of the Pac-12 versus the Big Ten one year or the SEC and that alternating routine, and, and it was great to see, uh, you know, the fan base of Wisconsin come last night, and Arizona State showed out pretty well with the fans uh, uh, as well too. So it's a uh, new era of the Las Vegas Bowl. And as always, you hear great things about Legion Stadium. I mean, that's the takeaway. Really, yeah. all the fans they enjoy it. Uh, they enjoy even the walk across and uh, they enjoy once they're getting get, they get into the stadium the whole experience of it so uh, the Las Vegas Bowl is just going to get bigger and bigger uh, like you said Sam Boyd it was a good venue for that time right now when you are inviting the Big Ten the SEC and the Pac-12 you need something like a legion and yeah. uh, I can imagine how how big this game's going to be yeah great stuff the, the Vegas Bowl's ready for prime time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. What it comes down to. They got 33,000 there in, in this environment right now. That is really impressive. Mm-hmm. I thought the crowd was great. I thought the, the atmosphere was great. Hats off to John and the whole team from the Las Vegas Bowl. Really a great experience. Yep, great. And like I said, only going to get bigger and better. Right. Yes. No question about it. All right, uh, the Golden Knights victorious today, uh, a 3-1 matinee uh, winner. It was a dominant performance yeah. by the Vegas Golden Knights. No Pacioretty, no Stone, no Leonard. Right. And it was dominant. I think that at one point it was 42 to 10, the shots on goal. <laughs> it was, do- I mean, the, and, and, and Anaheim got a little feisty. There were some fisticuffs there. It was really an entertaining game to be at. 11 seconds away from a shutout. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, Laurent Brassois was great when when called upon. Gibson was fantastic in the net. Otherwise, that game is eight or nine to nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, really a nice performance by the Vegas Golden Knights. Proud of the team and uh, look forward to the biggest game of the year coming up here on Sunday against your Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there it is. Mr. Winnipeg over there. I know. Are you going to be Don? You going to have some Winnipeg's uh, jet socks on underneath your Golden you know, Knights uh, today? Today, today I didn't go jersey because Patch was out, so I went with this T-shirt with, okay. the, with the sweatshirt. It's a good look. And uh, I'm going to go back to my jersey with the Winnipeg T-shirt underneath because uh, yeah. you know I got to have that. Jerry the Dennis is here running around somewhere. He brought Dave. Uh, there'll be a lot of good Winnipeg fans here ready to go. Right. But see, you would never venture off and go with because I know you got an old school Winnipeg Jets jersey. Oh. You you would never do the Winnipeg jersey. I have. You? I have. A- at, at, at T-Mobile. At, at T-Mobile? Yes, I did. Okay. Inaugural okay. season. Okay. Inaugural go. season. They, 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 what kind they, of looks did you they get? They didn't like me in the 225. Yeah. So uh, that was good. Though. <laughs> they thought you were a traitor. I actually got a call from somebody. Like, is it true that you wore a Winnipeg jersey? I said, yes, I did. Okay. By Knights underneath it. Now, you've seen the Golden Knights in Winnipeg as well. Yes. What you, would you wear? I wore Vegas Golden Knights jerseys every time. Every time? Every time. But, I mean, you do. You could you could get away with it there, you know, Winnipeg in Winnipeg. I, I explained to the crowd because I went to a first game. I said, hey, "Listen, I got my Jets jersey on, and now tomorrow I said, don't hate me, but I'm gonna wear my Knights jersey. See, I, would, all okay. I would go alternating periods. That's what I would do. <laughs> that's what I do. You go costume change. That's what you gotta do. I'm actually excited to see the uh, the Jets play uh, with uh, uh, Lowry as the coach. Yep. You know, uh, it's fresh off the uh, the release or the the, the uh, resignation of, of Paul Maurice. Right. So I'm excited to see uh, Dave Lowry get an opportunity. Uh, his son's on the team. Uh, I think he was a great player, and he's, he deserves this opportunity. So we'll see what he can do. All right. Uh, the Golden Knights are playing some very good hockey, uh, despite uh, hitting with COVID inj- uh, issues as well as injuries as well, too. But uh, playing some I'll good hockey. I'll tell you what right helped now. was that, 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 that change to the season. The five game, the five days. The break, they got, yeah. they got no, they got uh, Dodonov back and they got Petrangelo back, and that's a big difference when you get two of your main players back that don't have to play, that don't have to sit. 
the only one that I could I could see from the uh, uh, ducks that was out was Zegris. Otherwise, they were pretty full. You like matinee hockey, don't you? Listen, I, I, I walked out of matinee hockey, and I said, man, I'd love, I wish every game I could walk out and the sun was still out. Right. That's the best. <laughs> exactly. How was the crowd? It was great. Yeah. It was electric in there. Yeah. yeah. It was really, I mean, there was full crowd, and people where they give you those little sticks, and people were going nuts. And the, the Knights took it over early on in the game, so yeah. it, was, it was a fun crowd. A lot, a lot, And then, of course, the fights always would make things uh, get a little interesting. You're not a stick guy, though, are you? You're not yeah. a thunder stick guy, are you? No, I took the stick. I did it during the pregame, and then I <laughs> stuffed it down. I was done with it. I left it there. That's why I get jealous of hockey. Like, yeah. you can fight, right? Yeah. And then you just sit in the box for two minutes. Yeah. When I played football, you can't. You get thrown out of the game. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Not only you get a fly, you get yeah. thrown out. You're yeah. down. When I when I when I played as a kid in Winnipeg, you know, you skate around. They they train you how to fight. Okay. That's part of the thing. And fighting on skates is a whole different ball game. Yeah. And you got to have that free thing. And but that time they were pulling the jerseys over, and you don't have that anymore with the tie downs. Right. So totally That's different. True. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's time for our best bets. Uh, let's get to it. It's Football Friday, and time for the weekend's action. Here's the best bets. All right, we'll give you our three best college bowl games, and uh, it's uh, down the stretch here, all right? Three college bowl games, and our three best NFL in the house with us today, Mike Pritchard, the former wide receiver. Love having him uh, on the show with us here. A longtime colleague here in Las Vegas as well, too, on the broadcasting side. So, uh, Double B, we'll let you start things off today. With our th- your three best college bowl games now, we do have a game tonight, obviously, the national uh, semifinal with Georgia and Michigan. That will be the Orange Bowl. We've got the Outback Bowl, Fiesta, Citrus Bowl, Rose Bowl, Sugar Bowl. And don't forget, if you want to take us to Tuesday with the uh, Texas Bowl with K-State and LSU, that's on the board for you as well, my friend. So hit us. I'd say go Tigers, but no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go to that game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stick with all games on Saturday, you know, traditional yes. Uh, New Year's Day games. So I, I really like the Penn State Nittany Lions. I think that the Big Ten has shown to be very strong in, in the uh, bowl season so far. I think that this is a big game for uh, their coach to, to get them going. And so I think it's a short line. I don't really think much of Arkansas. They were good at the beginning of the year, but then they tended to fade. So I'll lay the short number at two and a half with uh, Penn State. Uh, next, I, I love Utah. I love them. I love their workmanlike attitude. This is a, this is the biggest game in the history of Utah football, and Ohio State could care less. So uh, the numbers started, I think, at about six. Now it's down to four. I'll take the four points with Utah. Uh, lastly, I'm going to go with uh, your buddy Lane Kiffin. I'm going to take Mississippi. I think this is going to be an, an entertaining game uh, in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans uh, on, on Saturday night, and I think they're just a little better. I think that... Uh, uh, Baylor is uh, just an, an average ball club that they kind of squeak by throughout, and uh, I don't think that uh, they can keep up with the offense of uh, Mississippi, who's going to score 45 points or more. So I could only lay one. Baylor defense, I could care less about the Baylor defense. Okay, okay. They're going to score 45. 45. So I don't think Baylor's going to score 43, so I'll lay the point in half. Okay, there you go. All right. All right, Pitch, <laughs> what do you got, man? For college, we're, we're sibling college here. So um, I like uh, what BB was talking about. Utah, we talked about that earlier. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I, Whittingham and what he's done with that program, a lot of people are going to, wake up and realize what's going on out there in Salt Lake and with that program Utah. They're going to play with passion and uh, Ohio State too. I, I don't know if their heart's going to be in this uh, kind of a situation even though even though Stroud is a young quarterback and okay if this is your first bowl game and then every other bowl game is going to be a, a college football playoff situation which could be it for him 
Uh, that's going to be incredible. But uh, he's an incredible player, opt-outs all over the place. So, uh, But I, I think Utah is going to bring that passion, and then the fans are going to travel sh- for sure as well. Now, Georgia, I've been on Georgia all year long to win a national championship. Uh, they showed me a lot that first game against uh, Clemson. I'm worried about Stetson Bennett, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if Michigan can dictate, uh, there's seven and a half points out there to grab. I, I think Georgia can win, but maybe uh, Michigan can get inside that number right there. So from a betting standpoint, uh, I could catch the seven and a half points right there. Uh, and, and then, you know, for my other college game, I like Oklahoma State. I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, Notre Dame is Notre Dame. They got a new coach. Uh, he's been energizing the program. I get that. Um, but Oklahoma State quietly in Stillwater put together something special this year. Now, they came up short in the Big 12 situation, but uh, I, I think they got some really pretty pretty good athletes out there. And, and I'm going to side with them. I'm going to catch the points there. Uh, what, one and a half here. Uh, so one and a half points uh for Oklahoma State against Notre Dame. All right, good stuff. Mike Pritchard coming with three of the bowl games here. Okay, uh, I'm going to talk about a, a lot of the games that you just hit on, and I'm going to agree with you on two of them, and okay. one, and one I'm going to go <laughs> the other side. So I will. I'm going to go with uh, tonight's other semifinal game. I like the Georgia Bulldogs uh, laying the seven and a half against uh, Michigan, much to uh, the chagrin of uh, Double B over there. I know he's, uh, he's shaking his head because, of course, he has family over at the big house, and he frequents the big house uh, uh, very often. Go blue. Uh, you know, I knew that was coming. But Georgia is still the team that we remember from early on, guys. Let's throw out the game against Alabama. Okay, Georgia got a reprise. They've got a chance to reset everything. And, again, don't think uh, you know it's a great matchup for Georgia against Alabama, but I think it's a dynamite matchup against the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, remember, uh, this is still a top-rated defense. Uh, they have a huge offensive line as well, too. I do not see how Michigan is going to be able to run the ball, especially if they're going to try to run the ball in between the tackles uh, with uh, a, a great defensive tackle or a couple defensive tackles and in the front seven that the Georgia Bulldogs have. Michigan, I'm still not sold on against the upper echelon teams. Yes, they beat Ohio State, all right? But since losing to Michigan State back on October the 30th, who'd they beat? They beat Indiana... Penn State, Maryland, Iowa, and to me, that's not uh, impressive enough. Remember, this team was an afterthought. We never, after the Michigan State game, we didn't have college football playoff. Are you kidding me? Then they were up at the five. Then they got into two, and then they beat, you know, they beat Ohio State. It's like, okay, you know, we, we got to pay attention to this team here. But now against a Georgia team, a very physical, athletic Georgia team. We've seen Big Ten versus SEC matchups usually have not gone very well for the most part for the Big Ten teams. I think Georgia is a different beast. There's questions with Cade McNamara at the quarterback position. And like I said uh, yesterday, this guy has only thrown, like, like Mertz, only four games he's thrown for more than 200 yards. That's not going to get it done against a, 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 a Georgia team. He's going to have to throw the ball. They're not going to be able to rely on it. I think this game can go upside down. I think this could be a huge Georgia victory. Could actually be a blowout. So I'm going a guy. There you go. Uh, Oak State, Notre Dame. I'm with Pritch all the way here. I, I love um, Oak State. Scott Spritzer talked about it yesterday, too. There's some great betting trends in this game as well, too. The Oklahoma State defense, though, that's got it for me. The, uh, they've given up the third fewest points in all of college football, and they do it with both the run and the pass. They're 10th 
uh, against the uh, against the rush, or rather the pass, and fifth against uh, the rush. Notre Dame is not going to have their great running back, Kyrene Williams. He's opting out. Uh, look for quarterback Jack Cohn to struggle. Again, coming over from Wisconsin, still not sold on Cohn there. And Notre Dame hasn't faced a competitive team. Think about this. They haven't faced a competitive team since October the 2nd. And who is that? That was Cincinnati. After Cincinnati, they barely got by Virginia Tech, barely got by North Carolina, and then they drilled a bunch of, uh, you know, also rans. So I think great spot for Oklahoma State, like Gundy, like the defense. And uh, offensively, I think, you know, a lot of people aren't uh, thinking about Oklahoma State, but they can move the football too. I'm all about uh, Utah, yes. Uh, i, I got to get a U- Ute shirt so I can wear tomorrow <laughs> to the game. Uh, we're not really getting the good value here, guys, because we should be getting more six or seven here with Ohio State. We're only getting four or four and a half, but I think Utah can actually win the game outright. This is a motivation game, plain and simple. We always talk about college bowl games. You know, who's the motivated team? It's definitely Utah for all the things that you guys have already mentioned and we talked about before. Uh, Ohio State has really turned into an individual program here in the last couple weeks. You know, guys opting out, you know, for their NFL draft and this and that. I just don't see a lot of team unity here, and Utah has that. So I think Utah is going to be ready to roll. But I want to throw this at you, too, because I love this stat. Did a little homework. You know, Utah's won six in a row by wide margins. And in their victories this year, all right, they, they won by 23-11, beat USC by 16, beat ASU by 14, beat UCLA by 20, beat Stanford by by 45. Uh, they uh, uh, won by 9. Uh, I think they beat Colorado by 15. Sorry, Pritch. And they beat Oregon by 28. All right? And they beat Oregon, you know, drilled them twice. So uh, game means everything in Utah. Go Utes. There you go. Yeah, the, the Utes like to smack people in the mouth. I they love do. Yeah, yeah I, lo- I love that physical nature. Two words, though, for you. Stetson Bennett. <laughs> I don't care for him. Uh, JT Daniels. Yeah, well, I'm The cross-country, uh, you know. Uh, Those Michigan corners are pretty darn good. We'll yeah. see how it goes. The cross-country transfer. All right. Double B, what do you got in the NFL? Oh, hold on a second. The, you know, the NFL this week was, was tricky because, uh, you know, you got a lot of games that, that matter. Right, I mean, at this, at this time of year, which was fantastic. So I played the games that I thought were, were fun to play that, that I think that's going to make a big difference. I like Cincinnati. I think uh, that, that Joe Burrow is really shaping up to be a nice uh, quarterback. Uh, they're, they're looking to, to solidify that division. Uh, KC is on fire. They're playing great ball. But I will take four and a half points with Cincinnati. Uh, lastly, I'm going to take what Pritchard said was a soft team last week. I don't. It's really just a bet against uh, uh, the Chargers. I, I don't like the Chargers. I don't like the Broncos, but I really don't like the Chargers. I think they're playing <laughs> horrific football right now. And so uh, you give me a, a team like Denver plus six and a half, I'm going to take them. Uh, lastly, uh, Pittsburgh's terrible. They're a bad football team. They are not a good football team. They're 7-7-1, seven, seven and one, and they're lucky to be 7-7-1. Seven, seven and one. Uh, I think Cleveland's the better team. I'll lay the three points at Pittsburgh right. on Monday night. Pritch, NFL, Sunday or Monday? All right, I don't know, if BB. I might have to slide my chair over because I'm going <laughs> against them. I'm playing against them. Uh, well, I'm going to start with Miami. I like Miami in this situation against the Titans catching three and a half. And here's why. Nobody's been able to figure out that Dolphins offense. It's simplistic. Uh, it's not dazzling. <laughs> But nobody can figure it out. I watched Dennis Allen, who shut down Tom Brady, shut him out at yeah. home, yeah. struggle against that defense, yeah. against that offense right. for Miami. They're not exciting, right? But uh, until you figure it out, it's, it's working for them. 
Uh, Waddle is a wild card because they use him in so many different ways. Uh, and it breaks down the defense. So I, I like the three and a half points because I think Miami's defense can match up to what the Titans can do offensively. Uh, and then Pittsburgh. Now, Big Ben, I'm not going to buy into the hype of Big Ben last game, right. um, retire, all that. It's, it's, they've been disconnected all year. They really have. But so have the Browns. <laughs> yes, they I have. mean, the Browns are a mess. Baker's wife is getting death threats. <laughs> if that's not going to be on his mind, then, then he's not human, right? Wait, wait, so, people don't like his commercials? Uh, I don't know. Apparently not. I don't know. <laughs> There's something going on. But that, you, I, I think when you're looking at both teams disconnected, uh, at least one's got a Hall of Fame quarterback. And, and, <laughs> and maybe they can put together enough and have enough passion in this game to catch uh, you know, the point situations right there. And you're looking at, what was that, three and a half or is it four now? Three and a three, half. I mean, three and a half. Three. I, yeah. I, I like three this okay. morning, TC. Yeah, three? because there you go. <laughs> depending you're, you're on three, you're getting the field yes. goal. Well, so yeah, because depending on when you get the number here, let me make sure I got the number that I want. That yeah, three and a half. Okay. Uh, and then. If you look at, are you guys allowed to do, do teasers on your show? Uh, not, <laughs> not for these best bets, but, but uh, <laughs> as soon as the show is over, TC will be ready to win the teaser. I the, can't do a teaser on your not, best bets. There's bet. never been a teaser that TC didn't like. Oh, not man. One. Come on. Never I can't do a teaser? Super okay. teaser. He'd even go ahead. <laughs> That's it. I love that. Well, if I can't do a teaser, then, see, that just threw me off because I was going to certainly look at one play that I think is the best bet. Chris, you got but, 16 games to choose from. <laughs> you know what? Give me one more. I'll lay it on the Cowboys, though. Okay, because the Cowboys have put it together. They're within reach of getting that home field advantage by being the number one seed. They're within reach of that. I know the COVID news on, on the Vikings, the situation looks better for the Packers for sure. But uh, the way that the Cowboys are playing, the way that the Cardinals have been playing lately out of sync, uh, I think they have some issues right there. I can lay, lay the wood right there. Six points, I believe, yeah, there you go. Absolutely. for the Cowboys. Okay. I like it. And, and remember, I mean, anyone's ever going to let you get a teaser, and it's going to be me. No <laughs> doubt about it. And you can give out a teaser. If, if, if there's a teaser you like, you know, so you're yeah. talking about, yeah. you know. You can give it out, no doubt. But but on the website, uh, no All teaser. Right. We'll, we'll right. There you go. All right. Uh, let's go to the NFL here. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back to that dreaded Washington football team. You love them. Uh, not really. Uh, <laughs> they make me sick. But anyway, no, I think they keep this game close. I'm kind of like you with, with the Chargers and the Broncos. Philly, I'm not crazy about. I love Jalen Hurts. You know how I feel about Jalen Hurts. But this is a game where Philly's favored by four, four and a half. Depends on, on where you get it. But I will take Washington at home in this situation. They're barely still alive, but they are alive, and they are going to be more healthy this week than they have been in several weeks. And, uh, you know, we, we saw what this team did against the Raiders, and we've seen what they've done against other teams. And uh, I think at home they are going to show up, and I do like Ron Rivera as a coach. They are going to be a little bit more healthy. And, again, this is more of a play, just not buying Philly as more than a field goal favorite. So I will take Washington. Tennessee and Miami, I'm going to go against Pritch in this one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Miami just doesn't do it for me for the, what you just said, Pritch, uh, the offense. It's not sexy. It's uh, it, it's it, there's, there's nothing elaborate about it. And, again, it's like they will not take the training wheels off of Tua. You know, which is, I'm not, as you guys know, I'm not a, a, a Tua fan here. Oh, really? But, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So I'm a Jalen fan, but not, but not a Tua fan. I'm going back to Alabama. But anyway, I, I think Tennessee got it right last week. Uh, they're ready for the stretch run here. Uh, they're giving up three and a half against Miami. The seven-game win streak has got to come at some point in time. And let's be honest, Miami really hasn't beaten any top-tier teams during this run. Uh, for the most part, I stayed at three and a half all week, though. Yep, yep. I'm taking, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm taking Tennessee, and I'm going to lay it at home. 
And I'm going to lay the seven with the Colts. I know it's it's crazy because we don't exactly know we're going to play, but of all of the COVID situations here with both teams, I think if there's going to be people sitting out, it's going to hurt the Raiders more, especially that linebacking court. When you're missing you know, six linebackers, and even, you know, if you're going to be missing two or three, I think it hit that linebacking room. And as you know better than anybody, Pritch, you got to be on the field in these meaningful games, and you've got to practice. You just can't do it in Zooms. And, uh, you know, the Colts, they've been decimated with injuries, and they overcome. Look what they did last week with that offensive line, no offensive line whatsoever. And, and you talk about a sad story in Utah on the college side with Ryan Kelly losing his daughter. Uh, this team is really playing well together, and they are at home. Uh, they're a strong unit. Whether Carson Wentz plays or not, I, I don't think it matters. You still got Jonathan Taylor, and you got the, a very strong defense in the Colts. I know the line's a little inflated now, but I think this is where the bubble burst for the Raiders. I hate to say it, but I think I think this is it. And uh, this is the game that we had circle on the calendar. Well, the Raiders probably won't win this one, but they're going to need to win those other games. And then, of course, you know, next week with the Chargers, who knows what. But I just don't think it's a good spot uh, for the Raiders. Uh, so I will take the Colts. All right. So, so what do you guys do with COVID, though? Because, like, you like the Broncos, right, BB? And, and so I saw this from a guy who covers the Broncos, pretty intimate with the Broncos. Uh, the COVID bug continuing to bite the Broncos right now. This is from today. Uh, text from one person in the building, everybody's getting COVID. They don't know if they're going to have a roster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a competitive roster. It's, it's, it's such a fluid situation. Yeah. Yeah. It, the, 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 nobody can escape it. Yeah. Not, not, not in this country right now, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so that's happening with the Broncos. That's why if you allowed me to do a teaser... You can you can give it out. Give it out to everybody. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there here is Mike Pritchard's teaser. Go to the window with it. Sure. Go. Oh, I, Go. I, I think I put it in. I what mean, do you got? There's the, the Chargers. Well, seriously, the Chargers, you can get them down to um, a point and a half here uh, with the Cowboys. Correct. Pretty much a pick. There you go. Yeah, when, when I handicapped at Pritch, I basically just said everybody's got COVID. Yeah. So I, I, I just uh, decided I was going to play the team that I thought that could play better. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if a whole – Thing like the offensive yeah. line or defensive line or yeah. something happened. I mean, if, if if like the running backs happen, it's not as big a deal as something like that. Sure. So it's just it's just a really unfortunate situation hit this late in the season. But you know you got to play through it, right? I mean, uh, at least in, in 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 hockey they've gone back to the taxi squad. You know, so they got people ready to go and ready to step in. Yeah. And uh, I think it was smart uh, for all the leagues to go to the five uh, day rule because they they had to. Right. Otherwise yeah. there'd be nobody to play, and people want to see the, the right players out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and look at Trevor over here. We're fresh from here, and he's got a, he's got Olivia here back from Louisiana, ready to go. <laughs> there it is. Uh, back to the, the Bronco Charger game, though. I think this is more of an anti-play against Drew Locke, and you know we we don't we don't like Drew Locke, but it, it, the, the Chargers scares me because of of the injuries. I mean, without what Keenan Allen and then and, and also Williams. Uh, you know Eckler yeah, as Eckler. well too. That, yeah. that that that's a little bit scary. So I look at that game. And I just I'm going to X that game, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm like leaning towards the Chargers. Think the Chargers are the better team, but I mean they've been so uneven all season, especially the last four or five weeks. Yeah, you know, and Fangio, they're not going to extend him. Uh, he's coming up against that whole yeah. one-year situation. He thinks he's lobbying for one more year, one more chance, even without an extension. Uh, so as players in that locker room, I, I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys that are not going to be back with that team either. So uh, the defense was the strength all year, and that's Fangio's baby. Uh, and with his situation up in the air, if the Broncos were willing to lay down against the Raiders in a playoff situation, 
Uh, what are they going to do with COVID and the situation with the head coach? I mean, I, I just don't know where they're going to get the juice from for this game. Right. Yeah, there, there's really nothing I like about the Charger team other than the quarterback right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they just they're just they have no identity. They have very little fan base there, and they're playing as a tenant in L.A. It just there's just yeah. the team seems to be floating and lost as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, to me, the way they played last week was pathetic. The Broncos, heck, stick around. Maybe they could get within three points again. Who knows? Or four points. So, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough spot. To me, it was, like I said, a dead bet against the Broncos. I mean, against the, the uh, Chargers. Nothing to do with, yeah. the, with the Broncos at all. You got it. All right. Uh, also, Kirk Cousins out for the Vikings. That oh. line has jumped up now. Oh, uh, the man. Packers. What happened to Cousins? Up to, up to 12. COVID. He's a... Yeah, yeah, he's he's another, a big, he, another unvaccinated. He, guy. He, he he's a non-believer too. He says COVID doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. You know that's that's a crazy guy. All right, guys. <laughs> uh, New Year's Eve. Next time we convene, it'll be 2022. Pritch, appreciate you as always, my friend. Appreciate you, great, GC. Great, uh, great happy stuff. New Year. Absolutely. Uh, good health. Good fortune, man. You got. I'll be. Th- I'll be thinking about both of you guys because you guys are Rose Bowl connoisseurs and while I'm there tomorrow I'll be thinking about you especially you know Double V's there all the time too I know Pritch has been there I want to thank Numchuck back in the studio uh, the G-man Gilby thank you very much my man for so many things setting everything up and the Rose Bowl tickets the G-man comes through and uh, especially that first segment rock solid today brother appreciate you if you miss any part of the show go to the website at tcmartinshow.com Cosmopolitan Las Vegas it's hopping here all weekend look at this wonderful crowd here yeah. I mean really I, I, I appreciate the crowd to come out uh, very difficult time on everybody, and everybody have a safe and yep. happy new year. And go blue. There you go. All right. Uh, enjoy the college football bowl games tonight, tomorrow, NFL on Sunday. We reconvene Monday at 2 o'clock. T.C. Martin saying so long, 2021.